Welcome to the Product Bakery Podcast. My name is Christian, I'm Alex, and together we present you the ingredients to build the right products. Hello and welcome again, dear product people. So we had a short Halloween break, but we are now back with an amazing episode with Paul Orchanian, who is the founder of Bain Public. And we talked about playing dump, being a dump product manager in order to introduce change and making sure that people start asking themselves if they're decisions are the right ones or not and now i actually know why you've always been such a good product manager <laughs> <laughs> it's in my nature of being dumb you mean <laughs> pretty much pretty much well alex i think you spoiled already <laughs> the whole episode <laughs> Good. I would say let's keep this intro short. Make sure you follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram. And if you like this episode, Alex, what button should be clicked? Follow and share. Yes, let's get started. So from Canada, hi, Paul. Hi, how are you? Nice. Thanks for having me. So, Paul, we all know, I mean, you're currently the founder and CEO of Bain Public, where you're consulting or working with a lot of different companies across different industries from TrekTech to OnDeck Canada, Metromedia, and many more. But you've actually spent a lot of time also in Silicon Valley, where You worked from product management roles to design roles to tech and operational roles. So I think you've like really seen them all. Yeah, thanks for the introduction. I've spent 10 years in San Francisco working with small and big organizations, got into product there, really learned it the hard way. But I think that most of the things that I see That's the best way it to is, learn it. It is. It is the hardest way. It, <laughs> yeah. it really hurt at the beginning. And what happened is that I find that most organizations that I meet find just they have this linear way of thinking about building products, which is not the right way, the way that most Silicon Valley firms will basically approach product. Oftentimes, it's uh, very top-down from a CEO telling everybody what to do. And I think it's normal, right? But as a company scales, you get into this situation where Various other stakeholders, uh, notably sales and marketing, start influencing the direction of the product. And a lot of people tend to think of product companies as the same as a service company or as the same as a manufacturing company that oftentimes doesn't have the same uh, notions of engineers who have to build things in order to deliver value to customers and et cetera. Um, so a lot of them actually find the process of product management counterintuitive. They don't actually get into it somehow like organically by just trying to figure it out. It's, it's the most, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like this hidden thing that somehow like product managers like me have to unlock and, and show them that, you know, collaborative discovery and collaborative prioritization is an alternative to uh, everything else you've been doing. But I haven't met a single company that figures it out by themselves. And I find that's the, a huge, as mm -hmm. a human, we're ingrained in that way where somehow we always think that anything that we build needs to be built in, in, a, in a fashion that 
And somehow, because of whatever happened in the, in the industry in Silicon Valley 30 years ago, people just figured out the right way of building software. And, and nobody mm. seems to know uh, how to replicate it. And people like me have to go into companies <laughs> to help them out. I find that's, a, that's an interesting. And despite the fact that there's a lot of articles on product management, you know, you, you, I meet product managers within an organization who've read every single book and they're still having a hard time influencing their stakeholders, to asking their CEO where the strategy is, all these things. Yeah. Uh, they're just prevailing everywhere. But I feel like there's also a bit like this ego part to, you know, figuring it out, having this great idea and vision. And especially if we talk about Silicon Valley, I mean, we're talking about a time where people came up with this amazing ideas in the garage, right? A lot of people didn't believe in, in the potential of the internet, mm -hmm. right? So, so I do think probably a lot of people still would like to be those visionaries of like having this amazing idea, something that never ever built before uh, and bringing it to the market. And that's why maybe they, they think they stand above the, the, the processes or is this something that, that, that you see or, yeah, or, I mean, I see a lot of CEOs that think that they are the best informed people within their company about what the customer needs and they are the best position to drive those decisions and the priorities of the product. And may, you know, you're right. Like everybody looks at these superstar entrepreneurs and, uh, and think that it, it just came out of a lightning bolt and suddenly he showed up, you know, Steve Jobs showed up and said, let's do the operating system as a GUI. But, you know, if you actually look at it, it's, it's a problem process that was highly influenced by Xerox, right? And Microsoft was highly influenced by IBM, basically asking for it to be developed. So it, it, there's always a process, but oftentimes what I tell uh, CEOs is that you're going to spend most of your time doing everything other than, you know, making calls and product features. You know, you're, you're going to be stuck running your business. You know, you have meetings with investors to fundraise. You're going to finesse your business plan. You're going to go on sales calls. You're going to talk to lawyers and accountants. You know, you're going to try to train new executives, directors, and team members within your team. You're going to have to shape cultures of your organization. So, you know, you're pretty big. You're not going to be at that level where you start looking at the data, talking to customers, and really trying to understand their pain points. But it is true that a lot of CEOs, because of their knowledge of an industry, and perhaps like they have identified a gap, and that was like the initial value creation of the MVP, but you know they can't sustain that. So they have to let go. And oftentimes they don't. And if they do let go, they often let it go to the wrong person. That person ends up being the VP of marketing or the VP of sales, mainly because you know that's another executive who happens to you know make it rain and brings in lots of money to the company. So the trust mm -hmm. is there. But understanding what product management is, that they need a CPO or a VP of product and enabling uh, that function to exist in the company and empowering them. That's not intuitive to anyone I've seen. Yeah. And I see two layers. One is the emotional layer and the other one is the process. I'm just wondering how a founder or how CEOs can start establishing a process that on one hand makes their life easier, but on the other hand, also in a way that empowers the people to to build the right thing because as you said there are many product managers out there who have read gazillions of books but still struggling with convincing people so i'm just wondering because it always starts at the top and i'm actually very happy that we have like a founders talk today to better understand what founders need mm -hmm. to start letting go and also doing it in the right way Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I always tell uh, CEOs that you just don't hire a product manager and tell them what to do. 
right? That's the worst thing you can do. And, and that's the intuitive thing that most, most of them do, right? The, the, what you need to do is create uh, what we like to call in the industry a product leadership team, right? Uh, these are the VPs of your organization, CMO, CRO, CFO, right? Anybody who, is, who has an influence in the direction of the company, but their role isn't to uh, make the decisions on the product. Their, their role is to design, build, and nurture a product team. So part of their responsibility is to identify what are the high-level strategies that are going to drive uh, or allow the, the enough of an anchor to the product manager to be able to propose new features. Are those strategies clearly defined as well as what are the processes we're going to use? Do we meet weekly, monthly, yearly in order to discuss these strategies and uh, define the roadmap? And what are the tools the product manager is going to use? I mean, these are these are three pillars: strategy, process, and tools. That you know, most organization won't put in place. So product managers come in and they suddenly realize there's a lack of strategy, there's a lack of tools, and a lack of process. Which one do you expect the product manager to tackle first? And finally, the biggest issue that I see is that they, this leadership team needs to grow cross-functional collaboration and trust. And you know, sales teams might actually have. Very, very, if you're in a B2B organization, they might want the product to move in a direction that allows them to close the most business with prospects, but that's not to the mm -hmm. benefit of the product or the organization. So if, if that collaboration and trust isn't there, you end up having them bully you as a product manager, or you have the marketing team bully you, or have the customer support team bully you, but you're just dealing with bullies all around, right? So it's, it's important for the CEO to create this leadership team and to give him a function. You know, our job is to, you know, just starting from high-level strategy. You know, what are the strategy tactics that we're going to use to move this company forward? What are the metrics we're going to use to, to make ourselves accountable in terms of um, product performance? And then let's give these to the product team, give them a process. Let's meet every five weeks in order to discuss strategy, in order to discuss the, the next roadmap. Uh, and then let's put a quarterly roadmap deliverable, for example, uh, and then here's the tools, you know, and then give them real tools for product mm. management, not mm. Excel spreadsheets. Because usually what I see is product managers tell me that they don't have tools because they couldn't get the CEO to acknowledge the fact that they would pay for a product board or whatever else there is. Uh, on the other mm. hand, they don't even have an analytics tool because the CEO didn't want to pay for some, some other tool to basically look at data. So you're kind of asking yourself, well, what are they yeah. expecting you to do then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But here's the But, thing, we have still like more than 90% of startups were regularly failing. And what does a founder need to hear to make a successful change? I think it's usually the founders who realize they've, they've, uh, they've gotten into this, what I call the product strategy gridlock. <clears throat> they'll recognize it. It's, it's, you know, when you hit a wall, it's when you realize that there's a lack of prioritization in your company that generates internal politics. The sales team is blaming everything on engineering. Engineering is blaming everything on marketing. There is this lack of behavior and discipline and how we do things. Oftentimes, everything's escalates to the CEO to make a decision, but those decisions aren't data-driven. There's no actionable insights after the decision was made. So when these situations happen, the company realizes that They just don't have any momentum. They're losing steam. They, they can't, they're not growing. And oftentimes they're blaming the engineers, but the engineers you know, realize that they're being whiplashed constantly by these executives. Mm -hmm. and, and when mm -hmm. the CEO recognizes that, and I think that's when they come and see us and, and they acknowledge that they need something, an alternative, and they weren't able to figure it out by themselves. Mm. And 
I mean, we talked about, obviously, there is a lot of information out there. And I think there is like also different models that people would recommend you to apply or processes that someone can follow, mm-hmm. frameworks. And I mean, also like you developed a, a framework and you're you're writing a lot about it. So I'm wondering like, how should a, how should a company like best approach it also like from their perspective? Is it enough to follow existing principles or to follow a framework or is there more to that to to get to the right well you know that the what i see myself telling a lot of ceos is you hired a product manager they might be junior they might be intermediary they might actually be senior but how they go about every single day you know, do they have an agenda for every single week? What are they supposed to accomplish as a product manager that week? Uh, what about the next week? Uh, oftentimes, product managers get stuck with, within fires. You know, there's fires from the marketing, sales, support team, all these people, the engineering team is having issues. So they, they end up into these micro details, right? And I think that it's important for the CEO or the product leadership to at least put in place a process that defines week number one to um, week number three of every single month. You need to do a competitive analysis. You need to have a discussion with customers. You need to, you know, these are the deliverables you need to do as a product manager. And oftentimes, you know, we expect the product manager to figure it out by themselves. And most product managers, uh, when they read all these articles and these books, they think they have to do it all in one day. So, you know, I wake up at nine in the morning and I'm supposed to talk to a customer, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then from 10 to 11, yeah. I'm supposed to look at analytics. And then 11 to 12, I'm supposed to go have an internal discussion with the CEO on the strategy. Right? But it doesn't happen because you suddenly realize that your your time is being sucked into all these other um you know, fires that any product manager has to deal with. So I think it's important to just give yourself like a, a defined, you know, I like putting things in quarter and like there's quarterly roadmap deliverables. It could be monthly, it could be uh, however the company feels comfortable. But within that that time frame, what are you going to do the first third of that time frame? What are you going to do the second third of that time frame? What are you going to do the third third of that time frame? And it usually goes into, mm-hmm. you know, revisit the strategy, re-question it. Are we doing the right thing? gather enough evidence and data <clears throat> to basically propose a few new initiatives that solve a bunch of problems, which is the second uh, quarter of it. And then the third part would be once we go over with all the executives and you know have post-discovery, have a discussion on what should be uh, the, um, the three or four items the engineering team needs to be working on the next three months, for example, and, uh, and be honest mm-hmm. about it, that that's all they're going to do. And then as soon as that's done, then you have to restart the Requestioning the strategy, requestioning your your customers and their problems, and documenting it. So, <clears throat> just giving a product manager a process. You know, the, this is what you need to do the first three weeks of any given months, and this is what you need to do the next mm. three weeks. So this way, you can there's checks and balances. Is my product team working the way I need them to work? Well, what are their deliverables, right? When was the last time we, we updated mm-hmm. a competitive analysis? When was the last time we basically reviewed our personas? When was the last time we basically looked at the data in order to increase our conviction from one-sided bias to, you know, A-B tested, validated, you know, outcomes that basically could basically go into fe- uh, feature release uh, with a lot of success? To answer the question, it just comes down to... <clears throat> What does a product manager do every day for, let's say, a quarter? As long as that's defined, I think the rest is easy because that empowers the product manager to 
you know, uh, meet particular, I wouldn't call them deadlines, but particular expectations, deliverable expectations that mm-hmm. allows them to be both strategic and also tactical. And without it, I, it's just usually a gong show where everybody's trying to juggle too many balls at once. Yeah. And how would you generally recommend people also to then approach the collaboration with different stakeholders? Because like I think as a product manager, right, having the process or having an idea of what are the things that I need to do on a daily basis, that's something people can get to on their own, or maybe they even know it. But you said earlier, the product managers sometimes are like bullets by a lot of different stakeholders in the company. And I think even if you have like a product manager equipped with all the knowledge, it's sometimes like really hard to break down how the company works or how requests come in or how things are prioritized. So is, is there a way to also work towards that or make sure to like advocate for really following these processes if it's not coming from the leadership? Yeah, it actually comes down to like just the human element of software development, which is, you know, you, you have to communicate, you have to collaborate and you have to listen. And I think that most product managers don't give themselves enough time to what I what I like to, to do, which is collaborative discovery, where especially mm-hmm. in the pandemic, we're a little bit Zoom fatigued. So we don't want to invite too many people in a meeting in order to discuss it. But I feel that it's important to not isolate ourselves as product managers and, you know, just come up with all the strategies and then, you know, you try to push it and you get you your, you know, the executives are first time I hear of this and, you know, it might be a good idea, but, you know, I'm a little bit like, you know, taken aback here because you just, you know, dropped this on me. So I'm not going to acknowledge it. And so everybody reacts differently. People have egos, they have different ways of working. So I think a product manager needs to collectively discover. So one thing I, I used to, there's a word I use, which is pre-wire which is a word that comes from McKenzie. It's basically, mm-hmm. it means the meeting before the meeting. And it's basically getting into a meeting with various stakeholders, just going over the strategies, the objectives, the key results you're trying, the problems you're trying to get, just to understand the full picture and really get them uh, to acknowledge what you're talking about and at least validate it. And so this way, when you get into a meeting with a number of stakeholders, Everybody has already taken the time to listen to you, has provided their support, have presented yep. their, 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 their buy-in yep. on it. So it's a lot easier to move meetings forward. So there, there needs to be two elements to that, those pre-wire meetings. You need to have them individually with people, not groups of people. So I have to mm-hmm. have one with the sales team. I have to have one with the support team and one with the marketing and one with the CFO, perhaps, just to make sure that I triangulate over every single detail that I might have forgotten and then just bring it all in. And then just invite everyone to a meeting in order to, you know, discuss all of these, you know, roadblocks that everybody brought up. So this way we can get to a decision. But the other part to that is yeah. is the human aspect of listening. I think that product managers who have, you know, to who maybe, um, you know, like you can be, ex, uh, you know, extroverted or introverted. But if you're too extroverted and you spend most of your time talking, people tend not to want to agree with you because you just didn't take the time to listen to them. So, you know, how do you get into a pre-wiring meeting where you can present a short, brief description of what you're thinking from a, from a point of view of like, hey, I have a, set, a draft set of priorities. Would you help me refine them? And just listen, ask uh, follow-up questions, uh, pause a second, repeat what the other person just said, and, you know, and say, hey, if I understand this correctly, what you just said is, et cetera, just to make sure that the other person has feels that they've been heard. I think that if people feel they've been heard, they yeah. tend to 
agree more with you. So, so it's the collective discovery as well as the listening. And that combination of, of collective discovery, listening leads to you know, higher confidence in your ability to lead, which means that in the, in the meetings, they will acknowledge and agree with you. But on the other hand, if you have a chip on your shoulder and you're just the loudest mouth in the room and you come in into a meeting, you don't let the other person talk and you kind of isolate yourself and do all these big strategic, strategic uh, documents that you just give to the executive team and one shot or the leadership team in one shot, they mm-hmm. might just dismiss mm-hmm. it. Uh, and that's usually... Uh, because you missed the point. You, as a product manager, you're a communication guru. You got to work with everyone, and just not doing it yeah. means that you're not doing your job. Yeah, and I love actually the meeting before the meeting, as you mentioned, because the higher you go on the ladder, so the the more management people you have in the meeting, the more they are afraid of listening to something new in case you haven't talked to them, right? So if you present some ideas or new processes or a new strategy that you want to apply or start executing and they have never heard it before, they're definitely going to block it or ask many questions and you will end up in a meeting that is not productive. Yeah. Plus the fact, if you haven't had the conversation or if you had the conversation beforehand and did not listen and just tell the people what you want to do without getting feedback, yeah, yeah I mean, that ends up nowhere, right? So I, I think applying the, the second part you mentioned, the listening part to the meeting before the meeting is most important to also get the buy-in later yeah. in yeah. that meeting I mean, where it counts right it's also a bit about like having allies in in the company right like having people who yeah who believe in or i mean who actually see it as like a shared idea and they're part of it right so it will be much easier for you to present something if you have more people in the room who actually already agree with you yeah. uh, or who have a shared opinion yeah. and i think that's like where pre-wiring also in consulting comes from yes, it's, it's, you have yeah. to make them believe they came up with the idea and 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 they need to yeah. be sympathetic to your proposal so if they're not then you yeah. shouldn't be going into an executive meeting presenting those ideas because you know you're going to be bombarded by unsympathetic leaders and that's not the right thing to do yeah. so it's just you know i think it's political in some ways but i don't think it's about getting allies or all but it's really about just making that the word collaboration is part of the company's dna and that you're basically taking five to ten minutes to just have a quick discussion with them just to make sure that you know you they feel that questions were asked discussions have been had and options were discussed right And you also mentioned at the beginning that you need to build up this product leadership team at the end of the day. And I think product leadership means also the ability to influence. And this is exactly the way how you can influence upwards Mm -hmm. to your stakeholders, to the top management, by having the conversation, listening to people, and ideally make them think they came up with it by themselves. But yeah, overall, what do you think is an important way for a product manager to to look at in case you have not those processes so let's say you are working with a company that is very stiff so structured in a way that you have a lot of top-down decisions how can you play as a product manager to start shifting the mindset to a more product leadership mindset that's the hardest thing to do i mean i think you can play dumb by by playing dumb i mean you can try to get into every single meeting by being the dumbest person in the room oftentimes when you get into if you're in that type of environment that processes don't exist and you get it you're being invited to get into meetings to listen to the sales team basically pitch an idea for a new feature that needs to be built because of prospect a b c said it or uh, customer support wants a bunch of bugs fixed even though those aren't important i think it's important to 
just go into the room with this this ideology that you're going to be the dumbest person in the room, even though you have the data to prove that what they're saying is wrong. You can't just get in there and just say it's you're wrong, because <laughs> the second you start mm-hmm. going um, defensive against everyone, because you you have the data, you talk to customers, you spoke to, you looked at the analytics, and you know that there's enough evidence that that goes against what these guys are saying. So it's like, how do you get into those meetings and act dumb? What that means is basically just listening to people from a perspective of asking dumb questions rather than making statements. So short questions, why did you, why do we need to do this? I usually call them the the what and how questions. So you always start with a what question. So what problem will this help solve? Mm-hmm. Connect the dots for me. Which would be our investment of resources? What's our exposure to maintenance costs? Right, the types of questions you would expect anybody to ask. And then take a take a pause for an extra second, listen to the other person's answer. And then, you know, instead of challenging, you can ask another question. And this is a how question. How does this align to the product mission? Why now? Why is this the most important problem to solve? You know, what's the impact that it's going to have on the company reputation? So you can keep asking what and how questions just to let the other people talk. Right. So this way you're not perceived as being an extremely defensive, arrogant product manager. You're simply the person who is just asking the questions that perhaps need to be asked and which is making the other person reflect perhaps out loud. Maybe he he feels he or she feels that they're being put on the spot, but the questions don't come in. From a very aggressive perspective, they're just, you know, very... And you mm. might have the data and you're not going to pick it out. You just let them answer it and then you you can basically propose, okay, here's what I'm hearing you say. Would it be okay for me to, you know, spend some time with you just looking at some of the data for us to basically come to kind of an um, understanding? I think once you get to that level of every single stakeholder in the company feels that someone dumb is getting into the room, they're asking a lot of questions because their dumbness is forcing them to actually you know, ask very dumb questions. And those dumb questions are causing the conversation to basically open up from self-conviction to, has this been validated? Uh, is, do we have enough data for it, et cetera? Which then you mm. as a product manager is like, let me help you go and get this data for you in order to validate or invalidate. Perhaps you can get to a point where people trust you enough to bring them into a meeting and say, I listen to everyone. I ask a lot of questions. I even gather a lot of data on your behalf to make this conversation an easy one. And here, here's where we're at, you know, and, and let's make a decision. So at least you can, you, can, you can earn that influence capital that you need in order to build something. Now, once you build something and it has success, that's where you start generating momentum. Because now that influence capital you have with your stakeholders has has basically translated itself into customer success and financial success. So now the capital that you have is both influence, customer success, and, and financial success, which allows you to lead the next conversation a little bit more authoritatively, I would say, rather than playing a dumb perspective. And, and, and then the more momentum you build, the more product features you release that add value to the company, the more you have, you feel like it's easier to have conversations with the stakeholders because they believe in your capacity to, to make their ideas happen. <laughs> but, and, you know, but your role wasn't to take their ideas as is. You simply questioned it, validated it. And it comes down to how you work with every single department and, and engage with each one again, right? So... I would love to, like, I would personally rather have, like, some big uh, hired gun like we are at Bain Public to come in and 
and put these processes in place, but not every company does it. So if, if, as you say, if you're a product manager in a company who's dealing with these situations, just play dumb. Uh, you can't lose your job by playing dumb. You're simply validating mm -hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. Could you repeat the answer? I didn't get it. <laughs> I, I, I usually have this thing where I tell I tell product managers to repeat the last one to three words that 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 they said, just to get them talking more. And uh, I'm going to ask you exactly. You asked me to repeat my last answer because you didn't hear me. Is that what you said? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. All good. <laughs> I mean, you would have waited a long time to uh, ask the rephrase. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to play a little bit dumb. No, it's good. It's good. I mean, I, I think that the toughest one of playing dumb is when you repeat the last three words the other person said and you just stay quiet, mm -hmm. which creates this mm -hmm. like uneasiness in the room. So the other person has to continue talking, right? And if the other person continues talking, somehow you made them talk, somehow you made them elaborate. And you didn't have to do anything other than stay quiet. But you know, if you look at like hockey players, uh, one of the hardest things to do for a hockey player is to shoot the puck in between the pads of the, the goalie. Because if you miss, you look like you're just no good. But if you do, then you're a great player who had great skills. But it's, it's like, it's one of those things that requires a lot of confidence because the chances of failure are so high. So staying quiet, mm -hmm. but after repeating the last three words of another per what the other person said, And just like counting in your head, one, two, three, four, until the other person speaks. I mean, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of confidence. But if you do it, then the other people, people definitely feel like, wow, this guy's listening, right? This is amazing. I can say yeah. anything I want yeah. in front of him. So, in a nutshell, I mean, what you're also describing, like in terms of what a product manager should do with like playing dumb, with like listening and so on, that is a, also a little bit like the definition of a product manager right they need to have a certain level of curiosity they shouldn't jump to conclusions open mind ideating empathy for is it stakeholders as well as the users right so i mean in theory we're just talking about the qualities also of a good product manager the qualities of a good product manager <laughs> You are listening. <laughs> I just, I, I just used my my trick here. Now, I, I, I mean, uh, what, what, what I think is software development. I think it's a funny thing is that it actually comes down to human dynamics, and mm -hmm. a lot of people forget that they they think it's just about telling an engineer what to do, and um, and I think the product manager needs to symbolize that humanity in a company. Uh, marketing is, is, is basically doing its own thing. Sales is doing its own thing. Every department is working independently with its own goals and objectives. And it's normal for friction to arise. Sales wants to close deals and marketing wants, you know, for, for new customers to, to go through their funnel and engineering wants to create a scalable product, right? But so there's going to be a lot of frictions. And the only person whose role is to basically be that human is, is us, right? Product managers. And we got to learn how to be human, right? And I think that, you know, this is sometimes where I talk about how doctors use the stethoscope as a way to, to, to get closer to patients. I have a doctor who basically, every time I see him, I don't even get to see him anymore. I have to go through the internet, right? Like video conference. <laughs> he asked me to do like a test, um, a blood test, and then he's able to tell me everything that's wrong with me, right? I find that so bad. But if I go see a real human doctor and 
And they basically like make me sit down and they ask me to cough and they take their stethoscope and put it on my back and in my chest. And I feel like they're listening to my body and they can tell me anything after that and I'll do it. So, mm-hmm. so there is a human aspect that, that, that touch helps you get touch through the stethoscope, touch through touching someone. I know you can't do those things in, in the workplace, but I think as a product manager, oftentimes you have to think of ways of touching others and making sure yeah. that they, they feel they're being heard. So this way you can and convince them to do something, you know, that they perhaps would never think of doing, right? Like just imagine how a doctor convinces you to stop smoking or lose weight or do more exercise. I mean, these are, you know, how does he do it? Uh, he or she would basically just use the stethoscope as a way of making sure that you felt that you're being heard. And then you'll listen to anything the doctor says, right? Well, I mean, we started at the beginning talking about the founders and now we end up in product management, but I'm just wondering, so also to wrap up the conversation, what would be the key message you would like to send out to founders and to product managers these days to make their place a better place? Um, I think it's for founders, I would say that just make sure you surround yourself with the right mentors, especially if you're you know, being accelerated through accelerators. Ask yourself... You know, do I have a product manager mentor in my group? If, you know, a lot of accelerators, for example, will have, you know, people with a lot of experience in sales and marketing and et cetera, but never really a product person because those don't exist. They didn't exist years ago, right? So, so oftentimes if you're lacking that mentor, it's important to go and find one. Go, go. There's a big community, international product management community. Reach out to someone and say, can you mentor me? I really need some help here because... I think as an entrepreneur, not knowing how to do product management, especially if you're building software, so your engineering resources are your most valuable resource, and you got to turn their time into customer features that add value to the company. And if you can't do that in an efficient way that generates good momentum for your company, then who do you talk to, right? Talking to a sales mentor or marketing mentor will just lead you to drive your company into more customer growth or more uh, prospects and more uh, a bigger uh, bigger bigger month over month uh, revenue growth but ultimately you'll realize your software is going to have a hard time keeping up to that growth so so it's important to just surround yourself with the right uh, product manager type of mentors so that's what that's what I would tell an entrepreneur as far as a product manager I would say you know try to look at your daily schedule and and ask yourself like do I wake up every day knowing exactly what to do and if I'm stuck in this routine of you know, constantly dealing with fires, then, then maybe I should structure my day, you know, like, you know, my, not my day, but my week, my, my quarter, my month, Mm -hmm. you know, with some expectations to the, to the leadership or the executives of this team that I will be delivering strategy. I will be delivering, you know, an outline of, of, you know, the priorities that we need to prioritize together. And I'm going to be doing some pre-wiring with them in order to get to that final roadmap decision-making. I think it's just, um, it's just it's just having the right routines and if you don't feel you have one it's just like training right you go to the gym doing it alone there's a lot of machines but you don't know what to do right so it's the same thing it's like why somebody needs to give you a routine usually there's they're called personal coaches or is that it or personal trainers i mean it's the same thing mm-hmm. you know it's find yourself a mentor who can please tell you you know what you should be doing within the first three months and and then what you should be doing in a recurring basis any given quarter any given month 
Well, I think that's a good summary. Uh, thank you very much. And to all product people and founders listening today, maybe there was one or the other thing that might change your perspective on what you're doing right now. And I hope you feel inspired to start rethinking what you're doing. And if you need support, I guess, Paul, people can always reach out to you, right? Absolutely. We actually have uh, availabilities for free uh, mentorship and coaching. Just go to our website and grab a slot. It's 20 minutes, but it's enough just to get a, ask a few questions and, and see how, uh, how we can help. Amazing. We're going awesome. to uh, link the website in the description. And other than that, Paul, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks a guys. lot, Paul. Thanks.